Here's the grand truth. While the world insists that power, possessions, popularity, and pleasures of the flesh bring happiness, they do not. They cannot. What they do produce is nothing but a hollow substitute for the blessed and happy state of those who keep the commandments of God. The truth is that it is much more exhausting to seek, seek happiness where you can never find it. However, when you yoke yourself to Jesus Christ and do the spiritual work required to overcome the world, he and he alone does have the power to lift you above the pull of this world. Aloha and welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives podcast and this is Stephanie Colvin and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining us and if you're new, welcome. This is the most exciting episode. I have been waiting for this for a couple weeks and this is the one that I have promised you. I interviewed a, a lovely young gentleman by the name of Lynn Adams who is a lifelong member in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are hitting some tough topics today such as uh, gender dysphoria and really kind of dealing with some of the current trials and challenges that we are seeing in our country in these latter days and how he used the gospel of Jesus Christ to reconcile this particular challenge in his life. Such a wonderful story of faith and he's such a great example and I wanted to be able to have him share his story in hopes of giving uplift, hope, and letting others out there know that there is help and perfection in the atonement that's given to us, to each of us through our loving Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We do cover a couple of other topics and things that we naturally deal with being saints in the Lord's church and kingdom here on earth. So welcome and we're going to go ahead and jump right in. We have a special guest and uh, the one that I've been promising you about. His name is Lynn Adams. Lynn, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Great. It's so good to have you on the show. Lynn, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Sure. Um, so my name is Lynn Adams. Um, I'm a pet groomer. I am 33 years old. Um, I am originally from Brigham City, Utah. Um, Very cool. Pet grooming, that sounds like fun. So you just do what, dogs, cats? Yep, so I work uh, mostly on dogs. I do have uh, some feline clients. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty awesome. good way to make a living. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You get to spend the best days with the man's best friend, right? Yes. Um, 
and I see your videos. I had found you on TikTok. Uh, your username is Saturday's Warrior twenty four seven, right? Yes. And um, so you do a lot of your videos while you're grooming. Uh, yes. <laughs> Which actually draws the uh, you know the TikTok user in because it's a very relaxed environment as you're um, kind of sharing your your faith and your experiences of being a a member of the church. Um, So you're from Utah. Were you born and raised in the church? Um, Yes. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And uh, your family, did you come from a big family? Um, Yes. So um, I have 14 siblings all together. Okay. I I grew up in a house with seven others. um, And I have two half brothers that have the same father and I have four step siblings nice and where do you fall in respect to all um, the I'm, siblings I'm the oldest of everyone you're the oldest okay yeah. so you were babysitting a lot looking out for the younger ones and yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know my older brothers did that too but they tended to um play a lot of like pranks and sure. jokes and torture me to death. Did you do that to your siblings as well? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it never failed. I would come home from school and walk in the door and they would have some type of prank. My brother sure. actually had string that he uh, zigzagged across the hallway and I had to crawl through the string. It was just crazy. He was always doing something nuts. Um, did you do something like that with your siblings as well? Um, yeah. <sighs> Uh, we just we weren't Any... the best babysitters that's uh, the true <laughs> truth of it we one time we were babysitting and we had our, our friend was babysitting with us because our parents were out with his parents uh-huh. and so we like taped baggies of fake blood we had made and pretended to kill him and uh, well <laughs> nobody thought it was funny um, and we did well, we actually managed to get everybody not to tell because we made sure the rest of the night was fun. But, uh, <laughs> so we never got busted, but they very nearly called the cops. And uh, Oh, no. That one went a little too far. That one went a little too far. <laughs> Do you guys at least laugh about it now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever mentioned it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the things that we do. Okay. <laughs> my brothers actually did something similar to that. Sure. <laughs> it was very traumatizing at the time, but now we laugh about it. Sure. Um, okay, so this last conference, President Henry B. Iring, he gave a wonderful talk about finding personal peace. Sure. And as we look at the world, we've got a lot going on. Um, we truly are living in the latter days. And he said yes. in the talk, I pray that you may find peace, help many others to find it, and pass it along. And so in that spirit, let's charge forward and sure. we invite the spirit today to to bless and be with us. And um, those who have joined us that, um, you know, whatever faith or testimonies we share today can help you in some way. Um you have mentioned that uh, being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints during the 21st century is interesting because you've had people 
say some hard, hurtful, maybe ignorant things to you, um, like you're not a Christian. So I wanted to ask you, how do you overcome that and maintain those relationships or have you been able to? Um, Yeah, for the most part, uh, you know, I just try to phrase it as simply as possible. Um, So the the common criticisms, I guess, are like uh, that uh, I'm brainwashed or um, that I'm only a member of the church because I was raised that way. Um, And uh, the irony is to me, okay, so the rhetoric is this, the it's approached like uh, you have to set firm boundaries because at the end of the day, um, we as Christians often uh, do try to turn the other cheek and I don't think that's wrong. Um, But like, so when you're in a workplace, what I've witnessed at least living here in Utah is that in some workplaces I've worked in, there is a very um, disrespectful air towards the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that you wouldn't necessarily get towards any other faith. Uh, nobody would be bold enough to do it, to be sure. honest, quite frank. Um, and they try to, the rhetoric technique that I watched that is commonly employed is they try to make it seem like you are somehow less intelligent than they are because you have faith. Um, and uh, the truth is that uh, people who belong to the church of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, many of us are well-educated. We have well-reasoned ideas for believing what we believe. Um, Believe it or not, we have seen the opposition. We've reviewed it. We have taken it under consideration and we came to a different conclusion than you did. Yes. And we love it. So that's how we know. Um, and I love, love that response and that answer to it. And I wanted to ask you, Lynn, do you have any, um, personal relationships that this has happened in that's been, okay. Um, it's all right for the most part. Uh, okay. Is that too, is that too personal? Okay. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. (laughs) Have you guys been able to work that through or is that something Um, that's... Here's what I find ironic for the most part. The same people that will make fun of me. uh, When there is a crisis in life, Mm -hmm. those those same people will rely on the spiritual gifts that I possess and the relationship that I have with Heavenly Father to help see them through. Um. I have not pointed that out because I don't think that would uh, go well. (laughs) Right. But it says something to me. Um, Yep. I like that. Well, and you know, you're, you're, you're practicing what you preach and not pointing it out. Um, And it's good. It's good. And maybe they're picking up on your example and, they probably what they sound like maybe they were in the church and have left or inactive. Yeah. Um, I have a fair number of people in my life that, uh, have been either have been, uh, members of the church and have left or, uh, are really inactive or they were baptized, but, uh, were never truly involved. And so their understanding of the church is pretty limited. Okay. 
Um, so I have a fair mix of that in my life and uh, in my family. Okay. That's interesting because I always notice the difference between Utah and other places. Um, because here in California, I don't see that so much. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before because we don't have so many saints everywhere. Um, we tend to be a little bit more, I don't know, we hang on a little bit tighter because we are so few and far between. Hey, um, so if you've never lived, if you've lived in Utah your whole life as a Latter-day Saint and you've never lived anywhere else, um, you do, I think, have a tendency to take for granted that. So here is, it's a unique place because the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has greatly impacted the culture of, uh, as Utah has developed because they were the first settlers here. Right. Um, and so you have a tendency to take for granted that either everyone shares your belief or at least has a reasonable understanding of how your beliefs work uh, because they're living in close proximity to large numbers. Sure. So even the non-believers have a decent idea of what you believe most of the time if they've been here for any length of time. So do you uh, find yourself being... Um... Uh, poorly treated, attacked in some way. Um, I don't know what I want to find out with necessarily. So, sometimes, uh, for sure. Uh, there have been people who have been outright rude and hostile for the most part. Um, people who are non-members or people who have left are pretty respectful, especially in a professional environment. Um, Good. So what do you do to keep yourself kind of on an even keel? And faithful and devoted and so this stuff doesn't bother you so that you know when you're going out and you're working and you're because see I'm not running into this in my world in my little sphere here I'm not running into this on a daily basis so it's not so in my opinion okay we've been okay so <laughs> it works like this at the end of the day um the example that you set is going to speak volumes more than the words you could say at the end of the day. You can bluster on and on about how true the church is, but uh, if you are not living in a way that shows people that um, there's a tendency we have to hold ourselves almost apart, which is not necessarily wrong. We are called to be set apart. And, you know, when God calls us to be set apart, he's talking about a difference between night and day. Um, right. The way we live our lives. But uh, the fact of the matter is, like, so just like I would like respect. Um, so I say, okay, I'm a uh, rational human being. I surveyed the evidence and this is the conclusion I came to. Um, those who have left the faith, they feel pretty similarly. Um, right. don't think they're stupid, uh, and they're usually not. And uh, the truth is that they don't want to be preached to. Um, however, uh, we so the next step we often take is to just, like, uh, shun those people. But let me tell you something. Look, uh, you want to help somebody uh, through a faith crisis? If you remove yourself from proximity, you have removed yourself from the ability to influence that person. Exactly. So in my mind, the best way you can 
show up as this is you can just be friendly um you can look for opportunities to serve you can be kind and you can be respectful and uh, i think that goes a long way yep i love that lynn and thanks for sharing that you can have boundaries but um you don't remove yourself from that situation and that really kind of plays into my life and my family as we have different faiths i have family members who are atheists i have you know we have just different dynamics and right. so if i was to really make myself different and peculiar from the rest of, i mean there's no way i could do missionary work right there's no way that i could love them into the gospel and i love that approach because we have to remain strong in our covenants but still go out and be with them and love them even in the midst of their sin. Now I am not perfect either. If somebody is going to stay in your life, especially in close relationship with you, um, even if they've left the church, look at, look at it this way. Um, If they're walking with you through life, they are a hand span away from the iron rod. Yes. Uh, I love that. That's perfect. Very, very good. Thank you for sharing that, Lynn. And you know what I like about that, too, is it's a hopeful thought. Um, I see too often people feeling desperate and despair when their family leaves the church. And if anything, when I'm learning more and more about the gospel is the hope that's always there. And so that's what you're reinforcing here. And this is why I've been so drawn to you and your videos. So thank you. Um, You've had a very deeply personal struggle. And that's been throughout many years of your life. And um, as I understand it, and if I'm incorrect, please correct me here if I say anything wrong. Um, And you needed a deeply personal answer from God. So, um, I wanted to give you some time and space to be able to kind of share that. And, um, there's a video from April 5th on your TikTok account. Again, that's Saturday's warrior 24 seven. And we're dealing a lot right now with the trans issue. Um, there's just been a lot of turmoil in the United States about this. Um, we're seeing a lot of other countries that are commenting about this, and what's going on about, um, you know, the LGBTQ, especially when we were playing soccer and we had to go abroad and um, we were in the Middle East and here we were coming and, and wanting to represent kind of what we were doing here in the United States and we weren't welcomed. And so that's just kind of one example of what's going on. And then we had the situation in Tennessee And we've just got so many things that are going on with um, gender dysphoria. And I know that you've had some personal experience with that. And I wanted to ask you for, you had mentioned for a large portion of your life that you've struggled with that. Can you share with us that struggle and kind of what you did? Um, using the gospel to reconcile that struggle? So the gender dysphoria is real and it is an intense struggle and it 
It is, it's an intense struggle. Um, yes. So here's the irony. All right. So a church is set up to be a hospital, really, at the end of the day. It is where those who are spiritually ill can go to become spiritually well. But we have set up our society in we, our community in such a way that it's difficult for somebody in that position to be able to uh, come to church. Um, and so I'll, I'll say this. I... Uh, I don't judge anyone who has chosen differently than I have because mm-hmm. the truth is I've stood at the point of decision and it was a very difficult decision to make. And uh, so I have made the choices I've made because of the life that I've lived and the experiences that I've had in the relationship that I personally have with Jesus Christ. So I am not necessarily going to fault somebody for choosing differently if they have a different set of experiences and perhaps don't necessarily have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. Um, What I can say is something that we can do is we can do better at making a comfortable space where somebody can begin to approach the Lord. I am not suggesting that we compromise on our standards. Correct. I don't believe that that can be compromised on the Lord has look the way I look at it is this so if you want to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints if you want to be baptized there it's like joining a club right and if you join the club they would say okay these are the requirements we have for joining the club so if you would like to be baptized there are requirements to meet to be baptized and how you're going to live your life so those that's the cost of joining the club if you would like to enter the temple and continue down the covenant path, you're going to have to make more decisions like that. Um, but to me, it's very simple. Uh, if you don't want to become part of the club, then that's totally fine. You don't have to uh, do any of that. Um, it's yep. only relevant if you want to be in the club. Um, but if you do, then you can't ask the other club members to to change the rules because you don't like them you you have to decide to live the life right if you're going to show up um because i'm assuming you want to be a part of this club because the standards are as such that it makes it desirable so why would you want to change the standard so for me like i knew i knew that the church was true i had a pretty good testimony of uh that i had gained throughout my life um i gained the testimony of the book of mormon at a pretty young age and uh just every time i have revisited the text that testimony has grown deeper Um, and uh so you and me there was there was a time while i was in the deepest part of my struggle and i was honestly trying to run away I was trying to find a way out of the faith, truthfully. Um, but uh, it's that Adam Holland once gave a talk and he t- said something to the effect of like, if you really want out and you want to be honestly out, you're going to have to, uh, you know, climb over the Book of Mormon. Uh, he was correct about that in my life. Um, it's just that. Uh, Every time I revisit it, you know, when, when it would become 
I, I've faced, I've heard all the criticisms about the Book of Mormon. Uh, yep. To mm-hmm. me, none of them have been significant because here's the thing. Every time I have been, somebody's been like, oh, I have the smoking gun on why this book isn't true. I look at it. First off, I have a pretty good understanding of church history. and A lot of it is taken wildly out of context. Uh-huh. And second, um, or the situation is not represented accurately or a lot or the just the agreed is fraudulent in a lot of cases uh, agreed so combined with that understanding um and then when i would return to the texts um the spirit of the lord would continue to affirm that it uh, was true so uh because i couldn't uh because i could over the Book of Mormon, um, I had to just accept that uh, that the, the, I had to then figure out how to uh, live that life. Wow, Lynn, that's that's a lot to reconcile. All of that is a lot. Can I ask you what span? Like, how many years did this cover for you? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I, well, so I guess I began to openly talk about gender dysphoria beginning in 2017. Uh, Okay. So prior to that, it was something that I had pushed down and refused to address. Um, The view I had taken before is that it didn't exist. Um, So if you were experiencing that, you just weren't um you just needed to sure tell yourself that you weren't and everything was fine because it's not real um and those people are just confused um the truth is whether or not those people are confused gender dysphoria is real and uh refusing to address it won't make it go away right and i completely agree with that um just with my own personal experience, I completely agree with that. I too have my own journey with this and other things. And when I've tried to address physically my mental issues, the mental does not change. Right. Um, so can I ask you the struggle and wrestling with this? What has been the blessing unto you as you've pushed sure. through this? Well, ironically, it has sharpened my discernment for truth. Um, Yeah, it's allowed me to see much more clearly than I thought. Uh, So the blessing is this, is that I, like it or not, not everyone is going to like what I have to say about it, mm-hmm. but because I walked through that life, because I lived that experience, because it was truly mine and it was true and genuine, I get to speak whether you like what I have to say about it or not. And, yes. uh, and, uh, and that, that's the blessing is that, um, I get to tell the truth, even if the truth is not a popular truth. Right. It's important because the truth, 
very few people are telling the truth on what's happening. Right. And yeah. It is hard. And it's, you know, I love that you said that because, um, you know, you mentioned that you're in your early thirties and I'm much older. I'm 50. And what I've learned is that the people that have given me the hard truths in my life, I have come to really love them and trust them because they're the ones that I know that will always steer me in the right direction, even when it's hard and I don't want to hear it. And, uh, so, you know, you can always rely on them. Um, wise words, Lynn, wise words. I want to ask you what words of hope and faith would you share with someone who's dealing with gender dysphoria you know uh, this is just a side note here I know several people who are dealing with this and it's it is truly a tormenting disorder so So hope and faith we're living in intensely perilous times okay yes and uh the truth is things are only going to get worse the prophets and a pop apostles have warned us that the days are coming when uh you know we understand how difficult it's going to be to spiritually survive going forward um that's been outlined for us pretty Mm -hmm. well and so here's the truth if you are struggling with gender dysphoria and you want to spiritually survive there are a few things that you're gonna have to do first you're gonna have to know who you are you are going to have to know in your bones by the spirit that you are a child of God. You are going to have to then know whose you are, okay? Meaning you're going to have to get to know Jesus Christ because that's the only way to know that you belong to him. But once you know that you belong to him, you will know that nothing aside from your own will can sever him from you. Um, And... uh, once you know those things, it'll be a lot easier to keep walking forward. Perfect. Perfect. And I totally agree. Um, there's so much hope and faith, Lynn. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, because Elder Cook from the last conference, he's a 70, and he said, exercising faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ, helps us overcome discouragement, no matter what obstacles we encounter. And Joseph Smith told Elder George A. Smith, who was an apostle long ago when he was struggling, he said, quote, he told me I should never get discouraged, whatever difficulties might surround me. If I was sunk in the lowest pit of Nova Scotia and all the Rocky Mountains piled on top of me, I ought not to be discouraged, but hang on, exercise faith, and keep up good courage, and I should come out on top of the heap at last. So what I want to say to you is, I think it's fair to say that Heavenly Father knows what trials we need to have to refine us. And then he's asking us to have courage, have faith, and hold on. Sure. And sometimes we forget that. I know I do all the time. 
um, because it's hard and we live during a dispensation when it's extremely hard. Um, I wanted to cover one last thing with you because this was another topic that you have covered effectively well. And that is staying active and staying true to your faith. Even when you're struggling with sins and mistakes and you're out and you're doing things. And this is one of the things that I loved about your life is that as you were struggling with um, not just your gender issues, but you were, you went out and you were turning to vices and you were kind of turning to world answers, but you were still staying true to your core basics of prayer and doing the things that you knew and staying close to Christ as you were wrestling with this. Can you kind of share that with us? Oh, here's the deal. Um, So the reality is, is that because of the atonement, Christ descended below all things. So he actually went below all any human condition. Um, so there, because he descended below all things, there's not any situation that he can't step into. Okay, so look, it doesn't really matter what... We have this idea that there's a minimum bar of righteousness that we have to hit before the Savior can help us. Um, but that just straight up isn't true. Here's the truth. If you're struggling with hard things, especially things that some people never recover from, when we're looking at drugs and alcohol, um, pornography, just the -hmm. things that can really wreck your life. If you're struggling with those things, if you genuinely can't get out of the pattern of doing those things. So look, you're engaging in a pattern of activity. So there, let's look at so let's look at coping method mechanisms. You've got, uh, these are coping mechanisms that leave you worse off after you're done with it, right? So yes. that's that's the real danger of it is in, in, you can kind of understand that the loop that you're in, uh, it's leaving you worse off every time you complete that loop. So uh, if you don't somehow figure out how to interrupt that loop, you are going to push forward into absolute self-destruction uh and i've done that and uh it it's well it's true that's how it works but look here's how it is so if you're doing things that are spiritually destroying yourself every day i know people who are like well i feel like i can't read my scriptures uh when i mess up no dude that's when you need to hit your scriptures the hardest because if you don't start doing things that are going to feed your spirit and you're only feeding uh, the other good luck good luck pulling out of that tailspin exactly uh, the truth is no matter how long you've persisted in behavior no how no matter how deeply rooted um the addiction and the behavior has become it, it it pales in comparison with the power of jesus christ so even if you are not the greatest disciple and you maybe you have neglected to your prayer and scripture study for a long time it, it isn't going to matter. When the Lord's power intervenes, it's going to be sufficient. Um, but you have to be allowing the opportunity for the Lord's power to intervene, for it to intervene. Beautiful. So, Lynn, because you're all wise and all knowing, does that mean that your life is so easy? Nope, not even a little bit. My life is, uh, my life is, uh, <sighs> Increased righteousness does not necess- means increased blessing, but it does not necessarily mean reduced suffering. Um, 
our li lives are full of trials for the righteous and for the wicked. Um, it's just the difference really at the end of the day is the access to help you have through those trials. Um, and that help does not always, isn't always going to mean the removal of that trial or, um, but there will always be help. You know, and your, your, your belief, your attitude and your heart falls right in line with Justice Smith who experienced severe difficulties in his life. And the example that he left us was to exercise faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement. He just kept going and he overcame seemingly insurmountable, insurmountable obstacles. And so have you thus far and you will continue to do so Lynn. I really appreciate you joining us today and for all of your faith and experience and testimony that you've shared with us. It has been invaluable. And um, is there anything else that you would like to add at all? Um, I don't think so. I think that's not. <laughs> <laughs> we very well covered the gamut, but let me tell you, you've got a great TikTok account. Please continue to do your missionary work. Thanks. And um, I really enjoy it. And I encourage others, please go check out his TikTok account, Saturday's Warrior 24-7. And um, Lynn, thanks for, again for joining us. God bless you. Yep. Yeah, it was well. Thank you. What a great interview with Lynn. I just love him and his faith. He's so fierce and he just loves the Savior. And you can just tell that he's learned a lot and his faith has just really been anchored and rooted throughout his experience. Um, so again, please go check out his TikTok account. He answers questions from people who have inquiries about the faith and he just does it so eloquently in a way you can really tell that he feels and communicates with the spirit so clearly. Um, so if you're looking for some additional resources, please go check them out on TikTok at Saturday's Warrior 24-7. I wanted to share some additional information with you regarding the importance of gender within the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Heavenly Father created you as a girl or as a boy for a divine purpose. This is an eternal teaching that is true and has also given you talents and interests. Whether you're a girl or a boy, you can like lots of different things. Um, part of who you are, gender is an essential characteristic of individual, pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. And that is straight from the family, a proclamation to the world. Remember that came out in the nineties. Uh, Heavenly Father knew and Jesus Christ knew that we would be dealing with this in the future. And so we would need a clear proclamation uh, to help us be able to wiggle our way through the confusion that the world likes to throw at us so that we would know exactly what the truth is because things are so confusing and so backwards in many ways nowadays. Um, I think one of the greatest things that I absolutely love and find so much joy in in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the hope that is there, is the companionship of the Spirit and also the love of our Savior. And I know that there are a number of people who are dealing with thoughts of suicide and 
This is a real issue that they're dealing with, whether it be the gender issue, trans issue, something that falls under this LGBTQ umbrella. It's just a very large umbrella and seems to encompass a lot of um, disorders and things that are going on. And I know that you guys feel this is a very real issue. Um, I have dealt with this in my own way. I look back and as I was raised with a lot of boys, we have a lot of boys in my family and everybody in our neighborhood was predominantly boys. I just remember hating being a girl. I did not want to be a girl. I did not want to wear bows in my hair. I ripped them out all the time. I hated having my hair up in a ponytail. Um, I had dirt bikes and skateboards and footballs. I never wanted any dolls or Barbies. I didn't want the doll houses. Do not give me any of that stuff. And I always wanted to hang out with the boys and that stuck through me all through my adolescence, um, my young adulthood into my adult life. I still get along better with the male population than I do with the female population. And as I got older to really connect and relieve society and the women there, as I came back into church, I had to learn how to enjoy women friends. Um, I did not like having breasts. I would actually tape them down. And this is kind of what they're doing nowadays with these, um, uh, you know, accessories that you can buy to bind yourself and to do these things, whether you're a girl or a boy. And, um, this was very prevalent throughout my life all the way through high school. And I always wore boy clothes. I did not like wearing girl clothes and I did not want to look feminine. I used to shave my head and do things to look more like a boy. Um, but I'm grateful that my parents didn't do anything to make that a permanent solution for me because I want to have children. And thankfully I did have children. I am glad that I am a woman. I am glad that I have kept, um, the body that my father in heaven has given to me as a gift and not done more harm to it than I already have. So that's just what I wanted to share as far as my own personal experience. Um, I don't want to overshadow Lynn's experience and what he shared because I think he really truly speaks to kind of what's going on today. But um, we all try to relate in the ways that we know how to relate and um, to be there for one another, to support one another and to uplift. And as he was mentioning, is to make our wards and our churches more welcoming to people that are different, to people that are unique, so that they can come in as they struggle with their own challenges and figure it out as they walk with Christ. And I think that we can always do better with that. So that is our challenge for the next week, the next month, however long you want to make this a personal challenge. I think we can always do better when it comes to fellowshipping. But um, I just want you to know that my heart really goes out to you and extends to you. So please, if you're ever finding yourself where you needed to speak to someone who is compassionate and empathetic, um, and you're just finding yourself in a desperate situation, please do not hesitate to DM me 
on Instagram at LDSRPRL podcast. You can also email me at LDSRealPeopleRealLives at gmail.com. Again, that's plural, LDSRealPeopleRealLives at gmail.com. In the meantime, please remember that Christ loves you, God loves you, and they've asked you to keep their commandments, to do the best you can to endure and to continue to push forward. And um, if you need help to continue to do that, please reach out to your bishop, to those that you trust, state presidency, counselors, teachers, your ministering sisters, whomever you trust. And remember to pray, pray always and to be believing and always be faithful. Uh, Till next time, thank you so much for joining us this week. And I hope that the Spirit has been able to bless your mind and your heart in the ways that you need it the most. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Much love, aloha, and God bless.